Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast recorded Friday, May the 13th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about a range of stories related to election season, including campaign contributions, vote suppression, and other odds and ends. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So early voting in the primary and nonpartisan uh, election started uh, on May the 9th and continues through May 23rd. Election day is May 24th. So most of the news of late is about this election. Uh, Democrat Gazette, as it usually does, rounded up campaign contributions uh, sometime last week. And and you kind of riffed on it and and pointed out all about the clone packs that that uh, have become prominent in politics. Yeah, it's it's. I'd been it, I'd been compiling some information on this for weeks before the Democrat Gazette article came out, and couldn't figure out a way to drop it. And fortuitously for me, they they kind of touched on the subject. They did the big story on who's spending the most money, and and the and the and the top line finding is the usual: the rich guys, Warren Stevens. Jim Walton, whoever, and the real estate lobby and the nursing home lobby get a lot of money. But what's interested me is this development of clone PACs, which is a single person. Bruce Hawkins is one of the leaders, and Joe Maynard up in Fayetteville is another one, where they create a whole host of PACs and sometimes independent expenditure committees, which have slightly different rules. And uh, it allows them to Whereas you can only give $5,000 to a pack. Bruce Hawkins has not seven packs. You can give $5,000 to seven packs and spend $35,000 and kind of, and kind of multiply your bets without violating any ethics laws, apparently in the view of the ethics commission. I noticed, for example, that among uh, the DBH management packs that Bruce Hawkins, a former legislator and lobbyist runs, Two guys contributed sixty thousand of the ninety thousand dollars he's raised. One of them is a bail bondsman from Higdon, and the other one's in the marijuana cultivation business. And in the course of these seven packs, they've given Sarah Huckabee Sanders twenty five hundred dollars three times. Well, so sixty percent of that money came from two guys. I mean, is that that's playing fast and loose with with conservation limits, it seems to me. And the same thing's going on with uh, these uh, this group out of Fayetteville, uh, the Maynard group, and Brenda Vassar Taylor, and they've got about at least they had fourteen different PACs and independent committees in an earlier election and ran into some ethical trouble on that. And they're out, out active again. They've got a PAC running, and I did a little lighter today about one of their independent committees putting out some of their standard bullshit campaign mailers uh, in support of Charles Beckham down in South Arkansas. And so that's just this. And it it turns out have run across some others. I mean, the nursing home pack has, has two packs. Uh, Shelter insurance has got three of them. And it's, uh, I think it's something that needs to be addressed, but I think the only way to fix it is through the law. And since the legislators all benefit from the more packs, the more money, and PACs have become essentially the the driving force of campaign finance in Arkansas. You can't give corporate money to a candidate, but corporate money or, or people's contributions paid by corporate money can go to a PAC. And these PACs have plur- proliferated, and they, particularly on incumbents in the legislature, 
if you go to your average con- legislator's campaign finance report, it's almost entirely funded by corporate PACs. And so where we passed an ethics amendment that we thought we were going to clean up government, we failed miserably in nearly every respect. And this is just another indication of how the corporate money is going to always find a home on uh, happy legislators. Well, well, let's let's talk about uh, some individual races. Uh, I guess a number of folks have already voted. Those that get up and go, probably you. Uh, I voted yes on Wednesday. And this is uh, it's a it's a nonpartisan election as well as a primary. So there are a lot of races. You know, there are, those are the races that don't have the handy political identifiers, though politics have have seeped into those races in in many instances. One, uh, judges is is usually an area that folks don't have as much insight into, and Court of Appeals is something that the average um, citizen probably is is not especially attuned to, but there's a hot Court of Appeals race, and it's a pretty stark choice. Yeah, that's the, it's for a seat replace a retiring judge in addition to covers Pulaski, Saline, and Perry counties. And the candidates are Wendy Woods, who's been a longtime clerk on the Court of Appeals for the judge who retired. And then Stephanie Cassidy, who's, I guess, a district judge now in Saline County and married to the former Republican prosecutor. And, and, and she's a Republican, too. And basically, I mean, and I will give Stephanie Cassidy this credit, unlike some of the other candidates for Supreme Court challengers, I don't think she's been as overtly obvious about playing off her Republican ties as some of them have been. But obviously, they know that what this is going to be about, I think it boils down to is she will carry Saline County, which turns out a pretty big vote. I would think Wendy Woods is from Little Rock would carry Pulaski County. The question is, is there, does she carry it big enough to beat the Saline County vote? And one of the com- one of the complicating factors in a race that people don't know much about to begin with it is that it is a nonpartisan race, but most of the interest, particularly in Saline County, is in the Republican primary. And so I think there will be a bigger vote in the Republican primary than there than there will be in the Democratic primary. It's in early voting, it's running about even in Pulaski County, but. This is normally an overwhelmingly Democratic county. And there are only three Democratic races on the ballot, statewide races, no local races of any great interest. Uh, There's been a little money spent in the Democratic governor's race, but not much, whereas you've got some big money drawing out a lot of interest on the Republican side in the race for, well, not so much for governor, but, but for that, for lieutenant governor, for secretary of state, for treasurer for attorney general and then and 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 even some uh, primary races and so if there's to the degree a voter is informed about anything you might think that to the extent a voter understands who's a conservative in a court race and who is not a conservative might wash over in the judicial races in favor of the republicans because of higher republican voter interest in the primary and, I, and as I've observed, I also see this happening, not in Pulaski County, but in some other counties in school board races, where in Conway, for example, we've got one of these 
movement slates on the ballot that's all about race theory and LGBT talk and what have you, and they're going against some incumbent reasonably progressive board members, and they've really stirred up a lot of excitement. Again, there, I'm worried that the turnout in Faulkner County in the primary has been about seven to one Republicans versus Democratic voters. If, if that split is mirrored school board races, then the conservatives may sweep into office. However, one other asterisk on all this mess, which I probably just left everybody confused, is that there's some evidence of at least some crossover happening of Democrats who don't see much to vote for in the governor's race, who think Chris Jones is going to win easily and don't think they need to worry about voting in that race because he's going to take it. I, I, I hope that's a correct view, but I'm not sure that it is. And are voting the Republican primary in their view to, to try and vote against people they detest the most. A lot of them detest Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But she's going to win that primary regardless. I've told some people who've asked me about it, I'm a Democrat, but should I go over to the Republican and try and make mischief? And I said, I think it really depends on if you have a local race of interest. My view of statewide races is whoever wins any of those races is terrible. And they're probably going to be elected anyway. And so, I mean, it's, it's a distinction without a difference when you look at the lieutenant governor's race or the governor's race or the attorney general's race. But at the legislative level, there are some really crazy people running in the Republican primary. And in Conway, for example, a lot of Conway voters for the race, for the seat that used to be Jason Rayford's, they've got a choice between voting for sort of an establishment. I mean, very conservative Republican who, who's been in the House, I think, up there against Mark Johnson, who is one of the most reprehensible members of the Arkansas legislature. And... Uh, I'd say if you got a chance to vote against Mark Johnson, vote Republican. Uh, speaking of Conway, there are some hot school board races there, and you've seen uh, Austin Bailey in her story on book banning uh, noted some of the dynamics that are happening there and and elsewhere. The sort of the the national uh, national turn of of, of uh, hot button cultural politics going oh, down to school board you know, level. They nationalize school board races, but it's tied into a national Republican political strategy to to mobilize and 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 assemble and assemble their voters through school board races because they're using these same issues in in regular in congressional races. It's sort of a seamless thing. They've decided that, you know, Critical race theory is, you know, they can just carry that to wherever. I don't know. But, you know, some of it is, it's just so dishonest. They're not teaching critical race theory in Conway. They never have. And one of the candidates up there, a retired school teacher who looks like the meanest teacher who ever lived from her pictures to me anyway. Perhaps she's a lovely woman. I doubt it. She reminds <laughs> me of my third grade, from my third grade teacher, Mita Strom, who who I just despise. She was so mean. But but in any event, she has put out the story about the furries. Are you familiar with the furries? This, I mean, I'm this, familiar with furries as a concept, yeah. Well, furries, the concept is, is people, it's, it's, a, it's just a hobby. People get interested in what anthropomorphic well, animals, but dressing it, there's up a like sexual a bear, fetish side know. to it. 
Yeah, but it, but it, but but it's been turned. They've they've created this nonsense that people have asked to be treated in schools like cats and dogs, and they've been required to put out litter boxes for them. It's thoroughly debunked. It's a total lie. It's complete bullshit. But this one candidate for Conway School Board, the one who looks like this teacher from hell, <laughs> has said, has told, I have a copy of on Facebook saying, you know, I can't tell you for sure it's happening here, but I hear that it might be and it's happening elsewhere and it's true and I know it. Well, it's just utterly irresponsible. And, and But the problem is, is the public is utterly gullible. So there we are. I mean, they're not putting out litter boxes for people wearing bear costumes in Conway Public Schools. I'm here to ensure all Conway voters. <laughs> uh, you've mentioned a couple of, of hot local races, uh, and you wrote a little bit about one we've talked about in brief before, Bob Ballinger versus Brian King up in <laughs> northwest Arkansas. What what races are you keeping an eye on for amusement? Well, say? that one's interesting because Brian King really wants to get even with Bob Ballinger. The district has been redrawn. You know, I've been writing a lot about this guy, Charlie Beckham, a guy expelled from high school in Mississippi for wearing KKK robes who beat Bruce Malick. And they re, they've changed his district some, and he's just running these really slimy mailers against his opponent, who's a very conservative Republican city council member from Magnolia. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. I think the big interest, and I haven't followed him closely enough to, to point at him, are some races where some ultra-right Republicans are running against ultra-ultra-right Republicans in northwest Arkansas. And a couple of those... There are a handful, six or seven of those primaries that I think might be interesting. And uh, the, other, the other interesting race, I, I got to mention him because I just think he's a good guy. And I, I, he probably doesn't have a chance, but there's a young fellow named Stephen Coger who works in human rights issues and immigrant assistance and just all kinds of do-good projects. And he's running for prosecuting attorney in, in Washington County against, I guess, Matt Duress, the incumbent. And he's running on a on a reform platform and saying that, you know, we're, we're going to look hard at why our jail is over full of people on minor offenses and rehabilitation programs. And he said it'd be tough on crime, too. And he called Red out pretty good for not going after those people in Huntsville who didn't who didn't follow the law and failed to report some child abuse in the schools up there. But he's an interesting candidate, and his mother ran a really close race for JP uh, two years ago, and she's running again this time. And they're just a real progressive activist family with uh, good political instincts. Fayetteville is not Washington County is not Fayetteville, and Fayetteville is not Fayetteville. I mean, that is there's a solid cadre of progressive voters in Fayetteville, but uh, the county judge and the quorum court are controlled by Republicans, and so he faces an uphill climb. But if you have any friends in Washington County, recommend Stephen Coger. He's a really bright guy and has excellent credentials. Okay, the other election uh, news this week of note was that Melissa Fultz, longtime medical marijuana advocate, uh, said she was dropping her push uh, for a constitutional amendment that would legalize adult use of marijuana. It was a, a rival uh, proposal to the industry-backed measure. Um, Fultz had talked early about getting some national money. She's 
involved with Arkansas Normal chapter and thought that that hers was more uh, favorable to patients and consumers. Um, now she says that she's gonna do everything she can to to beat the the industry backed uh, effort. Um, she will make some noise and get some earned media probably from that, but uh, I, I don't know. But that, she she got she got no money, and that's yeah, why she's not on. That's why she's not on the ballot. You can't get on the ballot without money. You just can't do it. There's another grassroots marijuana thing out there, and they're not going to get on the ballot either. I mean. They've made it so hard to get on the ballot. The only way you can do it is have paid canvassers, and you've got to really know how to work them so you don't run afoul of all the little ticky rules they put in place. It's just a grassroots thing. It's just about impossible. I think she's, I mean, her criticism of the the well-financed campaign by the cultivators and to, to get something on the ballot, I think she makes some good points about how it'll put the industry in their control. I mean, but... But, I, you know, I think that, that if, it, if they do make the ballot and they're not there yet, they're about halfway there on signatures, it's going to be an interesting question for some people like me who favor legalization and decriminalization. But, I mean, do I, do I want to vote for maybe not a real good version of it and hope a better one comes along? I just don't, I don't know. That'll be, a, that'll be a question for November if it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I would think that that most in your shoes would say yes, without hesitation. But, but maybe I'm. Uh, and 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 you know, and that's probably where I'd fall. But you know, there can be special interest money and ills of special interest money on good causes too. You know. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah. and so I mean, I've got to be concerned about that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, with with each legislative session, new uh, efforts to suppress the vote have emerged, and we also have this culture of, uh, you know, a- attacking uh, voting rights. And there was an awful example of that this week that you blogged about. Oh, yeah, <laughs> things come, they go. Andrew Collins. <laughs> took his mother up to vote early at the at the county courthouse and she's on a cane and hobbled into the courthouse and they had an old registration address for her on file and 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 she has the same name as her daughter who lives in the same condo building as she does so there was a lot of confusion and they finally worked it out and then some officious intermeddler poll watching republican who's working for some right-wing congressional candidate said, I challenge her vote. And whenever there's a challenge, that person has to vote a provisional ballot. Whether at that point the the challenge has any validity or not. And so she just didn't vote. Because a provisional ballot, you got to go back and cure it. It's another huge hassle. And anyway, and so it was was just an example of of how badly. and, And the woman who challenged her lives in this woman's building. Yeah, and she knows who she is, and she knows who she is, and she knows her son's a Democratic state representative. And so, I mean, I, I I feel fairly comfortable ascribing some bad motives to this. And that's just one small example of a problem that's written large. We've got fewer polling places in Arkansas. We suffered through the 2020 election when the Republican-controlled election commission did everything it could do to kill absentee ballots and mail voting. 
and that's just that's the wave of the future. And every the district is already in their favor. The state's philosophical leaning is already in their favor, but they're not going to leave a stone unturned and to try and suppress the vote in every which way possible, which made the sort of the funniest story of the week was Jake Beckett claiming he was a victim of voter fraud because his first name got listed as Jack on the Craighead County and Phillips County ballots. It was it was a typographical error that didn't get caught, and they're they're now going to fix it. To some of the early voting is going to be done without this proper first name on there, but they've got corrective notices up. But he went off half cocked at the start and said there's some statewide Republican establishment effort to to kill his it's the same fraud as existed in 2020. Well, there was no fraud in 2020. There's no fraud against Jake Beckett. Somebody screwed up. And whoever screwed up is a Republican. I mean, the entire election machinery is controlled by Republicans. Of course, he says he's going after the Republican establishment by running against uh, John Bozeman. So, so who knows whether that has any impact or not. I don't know. Some people think that Bozeman is going to have a close race in this primary. But who knows? We shall see. All right. Well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? Well, I want to say that uh, Austin Bailey, who was in for you last week, uh, recommended Anatomy of a Scandal. And it's a soapy British TV series about a government official who gets charged with rape. And it's I just finished it last night. It's just it's just great. It's I just the production values, the British accents, the British, the whole thing. It's just, you know, it, it was great. And. So I followed that up by starting to watch uh, Operation Mincemeat, which has a whole range of familiar masterpiece theater type actors like Colin Firth. And this retells a true story about a, a, a an operation in World War II to try and fake the Germans into think that they were going to invade Europe through Greece rather than through Sicily by dropping a uh, the body of a this character they created, the man who wasn't there, into the ocean off Spain. And it's it's just I don't know it's it's great escapist stuff. I think if if things come to an end, maybe maybe London is a place to escape to if things finally go totally down to hell here and Donald Trump returns as president. All right. Well, oh, oh, and let me say this: surely you've had your strawberries this year. That was a particularly yeah. good year for strawberries. The only reason I bring it up is everybody loves strawberries already. Has had plenty, I know, but. The heat this week, this could be the end of them. So you better get to the store quick. Oh man! I mean, the three days of ninety degree weather—it it doesn't bode well for them. So I'm not sure how long the supply will last. So you better get them while you can get them. Oh, that's a good tip. Well, I don't really have anything to recommend, but I uh, uh, went to my kid's school and played in the annual uh, kids parents kickball game and had a blast and it, it was just a reminder of how fun sports with kids are that don't matter you know that, that aren't super competitive i have a lot of friends whose kids are involved in every sport and we've done that a little bit with our children and probably been neglectful not to do it more but um you know we play catch almost every day and shoot baskets and you know kind of do all the sports just for fun and have a almost weekly dodgeball game in the backyard, but playing playing a good old game of kickball with a lot of people, where it doesn't really matter who wins. It's fun times. Sounds sounds good. It brings back fond memories of my kids' childhood, <laughs> which was a while back. 
All right, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, stay hydrated. Get your strawberries. We'll be back next week. See you later. <laughs>